Thanks for being with us today. Um, today is uh, one of our couple times a year we, we get to uh, take part in, in baptism and confirmation. It's a really exciting time for us today. Uh, Caitlin King is going to be baptized, and we uh, celebrate that, the sacrament of, of, uh, of, of baptism, as well as uh, hearing three of our high school students, uh, Daniel Chang and Brian Kim and, and Jinju Lee, as they were baptized as infants, they confirmed their faith, and as they talk about their journey of faith, it's a privilege and joy that we get to hear uh, stories of God's life change in, in them and how um, that's available to the people of God. And so I'm um, excited about that. So t- I'm gonna, my, the, the, the message that I give today will be a little bit uh, abbreviated so that we could give them the opportunity to testify and, and to praise God and the work that he's doing in their lives. But uh, since it is a, an opportunity for us, I, I want to speak into their lives as well as those who either have already uh, been baptized or confirmed their faith and are walking this kind of journey on the pilgrim uh, way of what it is that, that Christ calls us to. And for those who are exploring the claims of Christianity, who are still kind of out there and, and have not yet said, oh, well, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm a Christian, um, to just lay out there what Jesus says um, should mark and characterize the life of a follower of Christ. I'm going to read from uh, Luke chapter 9. And um, we're going to try and get it in context, though we camp out on a couple verses. I want to read Luke chapter 9, verses 18 through 27. Um, And as we get into hearing God's word, uh, Jesus begins to talk about what it is that he calls his people, his followers, um, what kind of life he calls them to. It says Luke 9, uh, verse 18, this is God's word. Once when Jesus was praying in private, his disciples were with him. He asked them, who do the crowd say I am? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, the Christ of God. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And he said, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the heavenly and the holy angels. I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. This is God's word. I don't know if uh, this has ever happened to you before where... Uh, you get really excited because you see an advertisement for something that is like a, a deal too good to be true. Uh, maybe it's like a free, I don't know. So I think some of you all subscribe to these uh, websites or have RSS feeds for websites that uh, hunt for freebies or slickdeals.net or things like that. And it says get a free like a two gigabyte uh, USB you know, thumb drive or whatever it is or, or free subscription to Parenting Magazine or free subscription to Sailing or whatever it is. And, and you, you look at these things. Or you drive by and you see free uh, Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich, a free kid's meal or something like that. And you get really excited and then you, you run into the store 
and you're like, yeah, I, I, I saw the, the sign out there. It said free, whatever it is, free a uh, chicken sandwich. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah. In order to get that, you have to buy like five adult regular uh, extra value meals. You're like, oh, man, that's not what, I, uh, that's not what I, I bargained for. Or you see like, oh, hey, you can get a free $50 free at, at, at Macy's or something like that. And you, you take this card and you're like, hey, yeah, I see this $50 free card. And they're like, oh, yeah, in order to get the $50, you got to spend $10,000 in, in, in purchases here. And, and you're like, oh, that's really not so uh, free after all, is it? It, it kind of stinks when you sign on to something, you, you subscribe to something, you give your life to something. Uh, it, it's a free a uh, year worth of, of airline tickets for you and your companion. You get these things from like your credit card. It says you get a free travel uh, ticket for you and your companion vouchers and, and you sign up for it. And then all of a sudden you start getting these travel and leisure magazines and then they make you pay like $50 for it and it automatically charges your card. Like, hold up, wait a minute, I didn't sign on for this. And you call them they're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You just got to read the fine print here because there's on top of what's free, there's all these hidden charges. Don't you hate when that happens? Yeah. Me too. When Jesus says, follow me and enter into a life with me, with Jesus, he doesn't have any hidden fees. There's no hidden charges. He puts everything out there up front. Everything is out there up front so that there's no surprises when we walk this life of Christ. I think here's our challenge is that a lot of times we create Christianity and our brand of discipleship and our brand of following Jesus. And we we call consider Christianity to be something that we conjure up in our own mind. And then when it doesn't equal that. And we get upset and we say God stinks or Christianity is false or everything they've told me is a lie. Hey, Jesus doesn't have any hidden fees, guys. He doesn't call us and, and say, hey, this is going to be an easy life. Come let me, let me welcome you to an easy life and then do a bait and switch and say, ah, now that I've got you, life is going to be hard. He doesn't. William Barclay says this great, he gives a great quote and he says, Jesus didn't come and call us to an easy life. He calls us to life that is abundant. And sometimes, many times, the pathway to that abundant life is difficult as it is in everything in life. You want to be good at anything. You want to achieve greatness at anything. You want to be a great student, you've got to pay the price. No one gives any illusions that, hey, you want to become uh, rich and successful in this life, then it's going to be easy. Or, hey, you want to become the, the, the best uh, football player in Central Florida history, it's not going to be easy. Or you want to be the, the strongest, most uh, able to bench press the most weight in the world, then it's not going to be easy. Like We know this in every other area of life. And yet when it comes to Christianity, for some reason, like we create in our own mind an idea, a perception of what it's going to be. Jesus says, yeah, when you come and you follow me, it's true. You will have all of your sins forgiven. You will have hope for heaven. You will have a sense in which you have a comforting presence that's always with you, no matter what you go through. You will have access to the Godhead and all of his resources and all the treasures of heaven when you pray. But it's going to cost you your life. Jesus says, if anyone comes after me, he must deny himself, pick up his cross daily, and follow me. And he says, there's nothing hidden. I'm spelling it all out here. I'm, we're playing with open hand here. I can't make it any more clear to you than this, that it's going to cost you your life. And so he says, do you want to follow the master. That's what he says as far as I read. 
Let me just kind of break it down a little bit. If, if anyone would come after, he must deny himself. What does that mean? It, it means that when we're confronted with a choice of here's what I want and here's what Jesus wants. It, it, it's simple. It means that if we have this option, choosing my way or choosing Jesus' way, that we choose Jesus' way every time. This is almost an embarrassing question, but when's the last time we willingly chose Christ over our own desires? It's almost sad that we have to ask a question like that because Jesus spells it out from before we even begin. He says, if you want to follow me, here's what you've got to do. You've got to deny yourself. This blows up every idea of a self-centered, it's all for me kind of Christianity that is so prevalent in modern Christian in modern Christianity today, doesn't it? You must deny yourself from the very get-go. That's what he's saying. So if, if, if Jesus says, hey, you know what? Some of, those, some of those TV shows you watch, even though they say TV, like rated for everyone, some of those shows that you watch are poisoning your soul. And I wonder if you ought to stop watching these things. To deny yourself means, Jesus, you're right. Even though everyone else does it, I'm going to follow you. I, to deny ourselves means that Jesus says, hey, you know what? I don't think that guy is, is, is right for you because it's leading you down a path away from me towards immorality, towards hurting yourself, towards hurting him, towards hurting her, towards hurting your witness to Christ. I don't think that's the way you ought to go. To deny ourselves, to follow Christ means that we say, Jesus, you're right. And I, although I hate that you're right, I, I need to and I want to follow you here. Hey, when's the last time we willingly chose to deny ourselves to follow Christ? Because Jesus says, if you're my disciple, if you want to walk this way, then that's what you've got to do. There's nothing hidden here. Nothing is, is hidden. It's all right here. We deny ourselves. Hey, I know, that, I know that your boss is saying, hey, if you cut a little corner here and there, if you do a little bit of this here and there, that you're on a fast track to a promotion. And yeah, even though you know in your heart that it's just, it's just a little bit of, of here and there of losing my integrity, Jesus says, is it worth it for you to do that? Is it worth it for you to, 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 to sear your conscience and your soul in such a way that you know that what you're doing is wrong, but you know that it will get you success in the eyes of the world? Is it worth it to do that? And to deny ourselves means, Jesus, you're right. And the call of Christ on our lives is not easy. I, I, I say this often when we do our confirmation, but some, some uh, pastors in the old days would, would take their confirmation students to, to a zoo and they would, they would put them in front of the lion's cage and they would say, your forefathers in the faith willingly for the sake of Christ were given to these animals because they said yes to follow Jesus. And, and then he would say, do you still want to follow this Jesus even though it means that this could be your lot in life? And this one pastor, Richard Wormbrand, voice of the martyrs, he says, with tears in their eyes, they would all count the cost and they would say, yeah, Jesus is worth it for me to deny myself. When's the last time we willingly chose to deny ourselves in order to go the way of Christ? He doesn't just stop there, but he says he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. What does it mean to take up his cross? Even though Jesus hadn't gone to the cross yet, and they didn't know that Jesus was going to die on that cross, to them, the image was clear. 
because crucifixions in those days were public. Executions were public. They would see condemned criminals carrying their cross. And they knew that the cross was for one purpose and one purpose only. It was to put to death an evil person. And so Jesus Christ is saying, if you want to follow me, here's what I'm saying. I'm saying you are saying death to the old me. To my old habits, to my old desires, to my old dreams. That's what it means to take up your cross. It it means to to, to come. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote The Cost of Discipleship. He was executed, hanged in a a Nazi concentration camp for standing up for Jesus Christ during uh, the, the time of the Holocaust and persecution. He said, when Jesus Christ calls a man, he calls him to come and bids him die. And we sing to find that I might truly live. See, anytime we deny ourselves, we're saying yes to something that is far greater, you see. And when he bids us come and die, he bids us come and die to things that would lead us to death anyways and to give rise and birth to life that is truly the life that we were meant to live. To take up our cross means that we die to ourselves and that we're alive to Christ. That no longer do we hold on to the same dreams that we hold on to. To date this kind of person, to marry this kind of a person, to have this kind of a job. If it means that it goes contrary to the will of God and the purpose of God in our lives and in the world. And then he says, take up your cross daily. That this isn't just one time you do this during your confirmation or at your baptism. He's saying this is a daily thing. You're over and over and over and over choosing this. Some people used to say, it's not like you've got a million dollars of your life and you say, here it is. But it's saying you trade that in for $1 bills at every day of your life. You say, God, here's a part of my life and I give that to you. Every day I'm dying to myself. I don't know if you, 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 you saw this. I, I saw it on Facebook. I thought it was really clever. But it says, here's what happens when we don't live every day for Jesus. Our week becomes jacked up. Have you seen this? It says Sunday becomes sin day. Monday becomes mourn day. Tuesday is tears day. Wednesday is waste day. Thursday is thirst day. Friday is fight day. And Saturday is shattered day. And then it goes on to say, one week without God makes you, well, it makes one week. Not like strong, but weak. Every day, he says, we take up our cross. And then the last thing he says is, and then you follow me. Um, you may have seen this, this picture where Jesus is sitting, and there's a guy next to him. They're sitting on a bench, and there's, a, there's kind of woods behind them. And Jesus said, no, no, I didn't mean follow me on Twitter. I meant really follow me. Some of us would be a whole lot better disciples if that's what Jesus meant. I follow him on Twitter because we can follow him from a distance. But when Jesus says, follow me, at Rob Bell back in the day before he started teaching different things, he, he, he would say, when you follow Jesus then you will get the dust of the rabbi on you. Meaning that when you follow, whoever you follow, you're going to become like them. And when you follow Jesus, you will become like him. Uh, Manny, my, our daughter, she turned two. She has this nighttime routine. Every, uh, every night she kind of takes a bath and brushes her teeth and stuff like that. And then when it's time for her to go night-night, 
um, Olivia, her mom, will take her into her room, and she does this thing where uh, she turns off the main lights and turns on a little lamp, and then she uh, reads a book, um, whatever book Manny wants to read that night, she reads it, doesn't really read it, just kind of points at the pictures and says, the bear is brown, and uh, the light is, is yellow and stuff like that, and then uh, Olivia will pray for her, and then she'll say amen, and then she'll put, uh, pick Manny up, and then she'll start rocking her around, and she'll sing a song to her, and then she'll put her down, and she'll go night-night. The other uh, morning, I, I picked Manny up. I, I get, well, I didn't pick her up. I, I got her uh, in the morning after she had woken up. And uh, for, she must have slept really well because she was particularly giddy that morning. And so I was still tired, and so I laid down on, on Manny's bed and was just kind of watching her. And she picked up uh, the Lord's Prayer book, and, and she started re- like flipping through it and, and pointing out things. And then she, she dropped it on the floor, and she's like, oh, oh. And she's like, again? And she started reading it again. And and then she put it down, and then she went onto the rocking chair where Olivia rocks her and, and prays with her. And she sat on the rocking chair, and she said, ba, 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 amen. And then she jumped off the chair, and then she uh, went, and she uh, tried to turn off the light. And then she picked up her dog and her blanket, and she held it, and she started spinning around. And she said, hush, little baby, don't say a word. And then she told me, Daddy, go, ni- go night-night. And I was watching this, and I was like, yeah, you know, she follows her mother so closely that she cannot help but become like her and do the things that her mom does. When Jesus says, follow me, it is inevitable that after a while, we're going to begin to look like Jesus and do the things that he did. And as people look at our lives, what in our lives this week is reflective of Christ in us? How much of our lives is reflective of Christ in us? Jesus makes it clear. The very beginning, he says, look, I'm not going to sell you something and say this is all free. And then at the back end, I'm going to load you up with all this cost. He says, no, at the outset, I'm going to tell you this is what it costs. And you could choose to accept it and you could choose to not. And the sad thing is that there are so many people in Jesus' day who heard the call of Christ and they walked away sad because they had great wealth or because they didn't think they could do it. And there's so many people today who walk away sad because though we may say we follow Jesus or we outwardly say, Jesus, I'm not going to do it. We walk away sad because we have subscribed to our own version of Christianity. And we walk away empty and sad. And yet on the other hand, there are countless people who throughout history have gladly laid down their lives and said with joy, Jesus, it's worth it. With joy, Jesus, I will give my life to you. What's the difference between one group of people and the other group of people? I don't think that one group of people is more committed or are inherently more sacrificial. I don't think that's what it is. I think the question that Jesus asked at the outset to his disciples is a question that makes all the difference in the world. Who do you say I am? And who is Jesus to you? If Jesus is just someone who's going to answer your prayers, then as soon as he doesn't answer your prayer, then you can leave. That's cool. If Jesus is just a teacher, I've had some great teachers in my life, but I would never lay down my life for any of my professors. If that's all he is, he just tells you what to do. That's not going to cut it. That's not going to cut it for me. And I'm sure it's not going to cut it for you, not for very long at least. 
If he's just your healer, then the moment pain comes and it doesn't seem to be healing at your pace, then you're going to walk away from it. What is it about these people? What did they see? Peter said, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the chosen one of God. See, there's something interesting that we have to see here. The first eight chapters of Luke's gospel, they keep on asking this question, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Who is this man? And then starting from chapter 9, Jesus explicitly puts it out to the disciples. He says, who do you say I am? And then starting at the end of chapter 9, as soon as, as Peter gets it right and his identity is known, he says, now follow me. Chapters 1 through 8 ask the question, who is Jesus? Chapters 9 through 18 say, if this is who he says he is, then this is how we ought to live. And so Jesus says, starting in chapter 9, he says, follow me. And if, like, we're, we're reading this, we're reading Luke as, as, as a book, God's word, and we're also reading it as he says, follow me. So we follow Jesus. Right? We follow Jesus through and through, and we see Jesus going and, and, and doing these very things he told us to do. Deny himself. He says in the garden, not my will, but yours be done. He takes up his cross, and he carries it, he carries it, and they're wondering why. And then if we follow him all the way, we hear him say things like, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We follow him to Calvary. We realize that he's talking about you and me. And all of a sudden, we realize that, oh, my goodness, that Jesus Christ is God, and he's doing this for us. He's dying for us so that everything that was promised could be ours that the forgiveness of sins, that the life everlasting, that a purpose to live, that a new creation, that a new community, all of these things are ours because Jesus Christ, who is God, paid the price for you and me. And so when he bids us come and die, he calls us to do so so that we might truly live. As we hear from our students as they testify to the life-changing work of Christ, and as they make their vows of commitment, I want to invite all of us as well, those who've made that many years ago, to ask ourselves again, have I since that moment of confession, have I since been walking in this way so that I daily take up my cross and follow him because this is the way he calls us to, and this is the way to the life that is eternal. Let's pray. Let's just ask the Lord God as we examine our hearts. I don't think, you know, today's, it's just never about, okay, I need to, I need to fight to, to shrink these desires now. I need to beat myself up. And, and there is part of that that's involved. But the first step is not about resolving. But it's about receiving a vision, reve- receiving a revelation of who, of who Jesus Christ is. That's why when we can see how much he's worth, his power, his might, his endless love, then surely we would never cease to praise him. 
This is what it This is what it is throughout scripture. People see that revelation leads to a resolution that leads to the revolution of him conquering our hearts and becoming a witness in our world. Let's take a moment right now to come before the Lord in prayer and and ask the Lord that he would show more of himself to us. And if there are ways in which we have muted the voice of God or we've turned a blind eye to him, for that we do need to confess and ask the Lord in his sovereign mercy that he would forgive us and that he would call us back to him. And, And I think for some of us in here, maybe even the Lord is specifically pointing out a relationship, a habit, a show that we watch, a way that we cut corners, a way that we don't trust God but take matters into our own hands and we rationalize it away. And God is saying, look, there's no hidden fees here. There's no fine print. What I've said from the beginning is what I continually say now. The call to live for Christ is a call to come and die to yourself so that I might give you that which is truly life. Let's come in. Let's uh, take just a a minute right now to to come before the Lord in prayer, asking the Lord that he would do his work in us and allow his word to transform and wash over our hearts so that we might live as a follower of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you that the reason the price is so high is because your grace and what you offer is so much higher. Yeah, there is a price that we pay, but we're getting the pearl of even greater price. Father, so often we can become fixated on the cost rather than on the beauty of who you are and what you give to us. And if we could see things the way that you do, we would gladly surrender all in order to have more of you. We thank you so much for loving us. It's because you did that we can love you in return. Thank you. We love you. Pray these things in Jesus' name.